Hi everyone and welcome to Nectex. We are upper cervical chiropractors focusing on conditions that can be helped by upper cervical chiropractic. I'm Dr. Crowley. I'm from Upper Cervical Spine Centers in Michigan and I have with me Dr. Brock who's also from Upper Cervical Spine Centers in Michigan. We practice in a town called Monroe. You can reach us by phone at 734-241-1111 can also reach us on our website, which is www.gentlespine.com. Today we are going to be discussing Meniere's disease and vertigo. We'll be going over what they are, what how common it is, what causes it, how they're diagnosed, how they're treated, and how finally how upper cervical chiropractic can help these conditions. Um, Dr. Brock is going to discuss a lot of these different topics for us today. And the goal of Nectex is always to enlighten you on the joys of upper cervical chiropractic and how it can help you and your loved ones. And we'll also discuss what upper cervical is and why you need it. So Dr. Brock, can you talk about what upper cervical refers to? Refers to. <laughs> refers to and how we diagnose upper cervical conditions. So upper cervical refers to the top bones of the neck, and we use specific techniques to adjust the neck bones. We use exams and x-rays to determine how they've been misaligned because the alignment cannot be felt with the hands alone. These unique bones have the most motion out of any other vertebra, which makes them the most easily subluxated or misaligned. And it's also the worst area to misalign because it's the first point of where your brainstem comes out of your skull. Okay, and then today we're going to be talking about vertigo and Meniere's like I mentioned before. So let's start with the difference between dizziness and vertigo. So dizziness is a general feeling of being off balance. And vertigo is a sudden internal or external feeling that you or your surroundings are moving or spinning. Okay, and how many people does this affect a year? So, dizziness, including vertigo, affects about 20% of adults, and about 5% of those are due to vestibular vertigo, and vertigo is actually three times more prevalent in women than in men. Okay, and then let's talk about what is Meniere's disease. So, Meniere's is an inner ear disorder that causes episodes of vertigo. Um, how long do these conditions last? So these episodes of vertigo can last around 20 minutes to several hours. And we've actually seen it last in multiple days for some patients. Oh, that's awful. So um, what other symptoms can go along with Meniere's besides the vertigo? So it starts as vertigo, and then as time progresses, it could be tinnitus, which is ringing in the ear, a feeling of fullness in one or both ears, and hearing loss. So the tinnitus or feeling of fullness may be in episodes just like the vertigo, or in bad cases it can be constant. And many ears usually involves only one ear, but it can develop into both ears being afflicted. Okay, so we said that dizziness and vertigo affects about 20% of adults yearly. How many people does Meniere's affect? Meniere's affects about 0.2% of U.S. citizens, and that doesn't sound like a big number, but that's actually 615,000 individuals. 
Okay. Um, I know a lot of people are going to be wondering, you know, what can I do to prevent Meniere's disease? So what are some of the causes of Meniere's that doctors are suggesting? Well, medical doctors actually don't know how Meniere's disease starts, but they know that the symptoms are from an abnormality of a high amount of fluid in the ear. That's what they think. That's what they think. They think it's because of fluid in their inner ear, but they don't actually know. Um... I know some people are worried that it's their diet, that it could be smoking or infections. What's the reality of that? Do those really cause Meniere's disease? Those do not cause Meniere's disease, but a high salt diet, smoking, infections can actually make the frequency or duration worse. And Meniere's will actually t typically start in middle to young adulthood. Okay. It affects men and women both equally. Okay. Well, you know, I think a lot of people know that having a high salt diet and smoking aren't good for them. That's true. So that's kind of like a, that's not really an answer for people um, that the medical community is giving out because they know that it's, I mean, that's what they say for everything. Oh, if you smoke, well, that's why it's worse. If you don't eat, don't eat well, that's why it's worse. Um, if somebody thinks that they have Meniere's disease, how would they get diagnosed with it? So they're typically diagnosed from symptoms. They could also do hearing and balance assessments, and they'll try to rule out other conditions first, and they'll do that by doing simple blood tests, or they can do something more severe, like an MRI, to determine if you have tumors or multiple sclerosis. So again, just like our last episode we did last week with trigeminal neuralgia, these are tests that they're doing to rule out other more serious issues, like Correct. tumors. They're really not diagnosing Meniere's based on some objective measure. It's ruling things out. Until they get to Meniere's disease. Okay. Correct. Okay. What are the treatments then? <clears throat> so, Meniere's doesn't have a cure, but their treatments include medication, which can help the symptoms. And they'll usually prescribe motion sickness or anti-nausea type drugs. And of course, they recommend those long-term diet solutions like no caffeine, no tobacco, <gasps> low salt diets, as well as diuretics to help control the amount of fluid in the inner ear. No caffeine, that sounds horrible. I'm a coffee drinker, so I couldn't do that. <laughs> Me neither. We love coffee here at Upper Cervical Spine Centers in Michigan. If you ever want to send us some coffee, we would gladly accept it. <laughs> Every single time. <laughs> <laughs> um... What are there? Uh, what are other therapies? So we talked. We just went over medications, diuretics, which doesn't sound very nice. Let's talk about other therapies that might help. So they'll do non-invasive therapies usually first, like vestibular rehabilitation, which will help improve your balance. Hearing aids for those individuals who experience hearing loss, and then pos positive pressure therapy, and all these have been short-term. Uh, solutions to vertigo tinnitus and pressure in the ear. Okay, and what's positive pressure therapy? That's where they apply pressure usually through an instrument or even possibly their hand on your head. So they to try to drain that fluid out of the inner ear or prevent it from going in. So they pop your head like a pinball. <laughs> Not quite, but they're putting a lot of pressure on your head to push the fluid out. To push it out. Gotcha. Okay. So are there more invasive types of treatment? Yes, they have plenty of those. So they'll do middle ear injections, and they put it in the middle ear to hopefully allow the inner ear to absorb the medication. 
And this is really actually dangerous because it can further increase your hearing loss. Mm. And the more severe and debilitating cases, they recommend surgery, which include endolymphatic sac decompression and shunt placement to help drain the excess fluid, a labyrinthectomy, which in the balancing portion of the middle ear is removed, which will result in total hearing loss. So it's really only done if you have near or total hearing loss. And then they could do a vestibular nerve section removal, which attempts to preserve the hearing while cutting off the balance and movement sensors of the ear. Gosh, you really lost me after middle ear injection, I'm going to be honest with you, but it all just sounds awful. I wouldn't want any of that done to me. I would definitely want to have some other alternative before I ever consider surgery. It really goes to show how desperate people get, how awful this condition is, that people are willing to let someone remove parts of their ear, remove their endolymphatic sac, do all of this stuff to try to get rid of this condition. I mean, this is really devastating for people. That's the problem. Nobody knows where to go. Well, we do. We have a different answer. We do have a different answer. So we're going to talk about that in just a second. Um, Does everyone with vertigo develop Meniere's? So patients that have Meniere's, they definitely have vertigo. But that doesn't mean everybody with vertigo will develop Meniere's. Okay, why? So vertigo can be caused by a few different things, like benign proximal positional vertigo, which cannulus or calcium stones in the ear or in the wrong position, vestibular neuritis or lamyrophitis, which is caused by infection or blood pressure issues. Um, is this when patients tell us that they have crystals in their ears that are in the wrong place? Yeah, when they say they have BPPV, that's when they say their crystals are in the wrong place of their ear. Okay, do we know how they diagnose that? No, it's just a general diagnosis when somebody says they have vertigo and they can't figure it out. And they don't have the tinnitus and they don't have the other symptoms. Correct. Okay, so... Basically, what we want everyone to understand is that these are diagnosis of ruling out, not ruling in. What that means is there's no definitive test to say that you have benign proximal positional vertigo. It's because you have vertigo and they don't know why. And they assume it's because of the crystals in your ear that don't have enough fluid, actually, and so they start to dry up and then they're not in the right spot. Then, if you get tinnitus, then they tell you that you have too much fluid, and so then they put you on diuretics. So you can see where this gets really confusing for the patient. Um, when you're being told you don't have enough fluid and your crystals have dried up, and that's why they're stuck in the wrong position, and they need to turn your head this way and that way to get your crystals moving. But then if you start to develop hearing loss and ringing in the ears, then you have too much fluid, and now you're going to be on a diuretic and a low salt, no caffeine no fun diet. Yeah, so first you have BPPV, and then you have Meniere's. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense, actually. Let's talk about some things that actually make success, <laughs> make sense, and have success. So we're going to talk about Meniere's vertigo in upper cervical chiropractic. Uh, Doc's going to talk about the research that was done by a Dr. Birkin, and let's hear what he has to say. So there wasn't much research out there on how upper cervical chiropractic can help Meniere's patients until Dr. Burakhan decided to focus his entire upper cervical practice on Meniere's. <clears throat> he published many articles over the course of, of his lifetime, and he, the most amazing one is this one article that has 300 
of his Meniere's patients that look over the course of six years. At the end of the six years, 97% claim that they had dramatic improvement to complete relief of their vertigo in Meniere's. 3% had side effects of like headaches with partial to no improvement of their vertigo. So this type of work completely changed the lives out of 291 people out of those 300. Under the traditional Meniere's treatments, these people would have never had this dramatic relief and would continue to manage their symptoms with those drugs and surgery. They could possibly take their hearing away. So research also shows that there's a strong correlation between trauma, such as whiplash type injuries and auto accidents that occurred 10 to 20 years before the onset of Meniere's. Uh, that's so important. So, so, so important. So many of our patients come and they, their Meniere's, their vertigo came in, came on all of a sudden. They say like, oh yeah, doc, I was just like, you know, going to bed one night or I woke up one day and it just was there. You know, you were walking towards the edge of the cliff and then one day you fell off. Your body had been going towards this progression and there were signs and symptoms that you didn't know were there, like neck pain, neck stiffness, you know, inability to move your neck, gradual changes that we are not paying attention to as a society because we're not really looking and focusing on wellness. And that's next week's episode. We're going to be talking about how you can actually learn how to pay attention to these subtle changes so that you don't wake up one day with this absolutely debilitating condition. Um, so that's incredibly, incredibly important. Whiplash and trauma can happen 10 to 20 years prior to the onset of this condition and one point i would like to make is that this obviously then becomes chronic this is a chronic problem that led to disease so if we could lay it out for you guys you have an acute trauma like whiplash then we don't do anything about it because we're not in a society that uses wellness and holistic care often enough so that acute trauma becomes chronic, that chronic trauma, trauma becomes permanent, that permanent change to your structure leads to disease. And that's what we're talking about today, how permanent changes cause disease. Now, we can help you, but we can't undo all that, those years of neglect. And so this isn't quick, it doesn't happen in a day or two days takes, you know, months for us to help people reverse the symptoms that they're experiencing and get back to true health and then maintain it with proper wellness. So one last thing I think we should touch on is some of the science behind it. And let's keep it simple for the folks um, listening today. Really, why don't you just boil it down to what is happening in the spine and in the brainstem um, when people are experiencing Meniere's and vertigo. So when you have a dam some type of damage over 10 to 20 years ago, it completely affects the brainstem. The brainstem becomes compressed by the upper neck bones being subluxated or misaligned, and that puts pressure on the vestibular and cochlear nuclei, which causes the acranial nerve to become irritated, so it doesn't properly function. And that's what's going to cause your vertigo and symptoms of Meniere's. So upper cervical chiropractors, though, are specifically trained to correct these upper neck bones so your brainstem can finally become uncompressed and you can have some relief. Wow, that's awesome. Is there any pain with getting upper cervical treatment? None at all. Is it specific? How do we know? What do we use? We use specific exams and x-rays 
That way we know how it's misaligned, and that way we get it right every single time. That's amazing. So, guys, we have many, many, many cases, and we'll start publishing our cases and publishing some of our research for you guys to follow along with. Um, but just know that we may not be able to fix everyone, but it's worth it for you to get checked. The worst thing that can happen is you don't even bother to check your spine and find out if you have a problem that we can help you with. So what's our main takeaway today? So if you have vertigo or someone you know that does, please have your upper neck checked by another cervical chiropractor so that you don't have to go through needless suffering with lifelong medication and low success surgeries. Wow. Awesome. I think that's great. That's a wrap on Meniere's disease. I think we're really covered a lot of important conversations today. If you guys have questions, we're neck techs, Dr. Crowley and Dr. Brock. We're located at Upper Cervical Spine Centers in Michigan in beautiful Monroe. Our phone number is 734-241-1111. Call or text us. And you can also reach us online at gentlespine.com with a G. Or you can reach us at hello at gentlespine.com. Somebody will be there to answer your questions. We answer our mail ourselves, so we will answer us in we will answer you back and answer any questions that you might have this is neck text i'm dr crowley and dr brock have a great day guys goodbye